And if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to the book of Ephesians. And um, won't keep you here very much longer. I know it's a weekday. Well, not everybody's off. I can keep you here late. Huh? No one's working tomorrow. What am I talking about? So we're staying here to midnight. What are we? Hallelujah. When and when we're in the Philipp in the Philippines broke off on Friday, it man, it was incredible. And I'm praying for that same spirit. The revival is in Colorado Springs. Amen. Yeah. Ephesians chapter one, verse fifteen. Ephesians 1, 15, I feel as you're um, looking for it. The title, I have two titles. It can, either, it can either be thanks for everything. That could be one title. But I like the, my original title because I shared it with my, my grandbaby and she started laughing. She thought it was funny. The title is thanks for nothing. And I'll get to you reason why. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Father, we thank you. And we truly give you thanks. I appreciate and I love the fact that this country, every year, takes the time to be thankful. When it first began by Abraham Lincoln, during the time of war, people were dying. He set aside this day to give thanks to you. So we honor that. I ask for that you bless your people in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen and amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. And for the believer, this week is the week to count our blessings, right? Amen. So we, we, we look around, we think about what God has done. Thank God for everything. And you can't. For your mental health, anybody crazy here? No? Okay, you can thank God. Some of you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nobody saying puts the chemicals that you put up your nose. Yeah. Nobody does that. Nobody in the right mind puts the chemicals in your arm that you put in your arms. Hello, somebody. Am I talking to anybody? Okay. Maybe not every, all of you. Some of you, you know, you got to excuse my um, analogies right now. 
But we have everything we need, right? But here's my question. What if we had none of these things? If we had nothing, are we exempt from giving thanks? So let, let's, let's see, let's count our blessings. I thought about this. 75% of the world does not have food in a refrigerator. 75% of the world. 75% of the world do not have clothes on their back. Don't have a closet like we have a closet. 75% don't have a roof overhead. Now, I've been in the Philippines. If you count some of the roofs there, we wouldn't even consider them a roof. We, and some of the places that they live in when you go into the city of Jose knows, we would call them a doghouse. Right, Jose? We're talking about tin shacks. And they live there. So if you count that a roof, maybe, but I don't count that as a roof that in the sense of this uh, roof. Look at this roof. This is a bad roof right here. Amen? <laughs> Top 8% of the earth's wealthiest people are us. Have money in the bank, cash in their wallet, and have spare change in a dish someplace in their house. Only 8% of the people of the world have that. Think about, th think about things that we have. So if you woke up this morning with a cold and an aspirin in your cabinet, you are one of the more fortunate of the millions who do not and will not survive the rest of this week. There's a story, a comedian Alan Rossi told a joke and it was a dream. He said, there, he, there I was, sitting at a Thanksgiving table, ready to dive in. I looked across the table and, and I suddenly realized that I was having Thanksgiving dinner with God. Fantastic, he thought. Then all of a sudden, God sneezed, achoo, and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> what do you say? You bless you? you <laughs> I just threw that out there, just change the subject. So, if you have ever, if you have never experienced the danger of battle, right? Uh, loneliness or, or being in prison, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 500 million people in the world. Think, I'm trying to show us how, great, how grateful we should be. If you can attend a worship service or any other religion-related meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are fortunate. Billions of people in the world cannot. And I did say billions. So it's not hard for us in the United States, in our country, to count our blessings, is it? And when you really think about it, no matter how bad you are, listen, our prisoners are treated better and live better than most people of the world. Let me say that again, because you know, I, I went to a jail in the Philippines. The jail cell was about uh, 18 by 12 size jail cell, right? Had a bunk in the corner. If you were caught a shot caller, you had the top bunk, 42 men in that room. 42 men. And if you didn't have family to come bring you food, you didn't eat. 
This is, this is right now. I just, just seen the jail not long ago. Jose, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. We're, we're blessed. We're blessed people. So most of us, really, if you think about it, could quickly and easily, you know, produce a list, a lengthy list of things that we should be grateful. Um, I'm just so blessed. I'm blessed just to sit at home. You don't know how much you guys bless me, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know how much you bless me. Amen. But when I see you, so you're starting, you're starting the journey that I started 33 years ago. I was there. I wanted to clean up what I messed up. Believe me, when, I, when you sang those words, I said, my goodness, it took me way back, way back. Come a long way, baby. Amen. But if you think about the list that we could have, my goodness. The list could include family, friends, food, hello. We could be thankful for clothing, cars, and, and companionship, right? Grateful for a home and health. Thanks for freedom, hello, a job, opportunity. You know, you know, no matter how messed up you are, or you think you are, if you just get in line, opportunity awaits. The sky is the limit. And I'm not just breathing, I'm living it. The opportunity is there. You just got to lock into Jesus. Yeah. It's there. So there's much to be grateful for. Amen? Yes. So then I asked myself, how should we give thanks? Now, we follow the logic of the world, you know, the world's logic uh, of counting our blessings. Then it means if we lack anything, we can't give thanks. Because in the world just wants more things. More toys, right? Then it means if we, if, we, if we don't have the stuff, more stuff to count, the bigger car, if you, if you still have a 42-inch LCD where you've been, you know, everybody's got 65 inches now, right? Then we have very little to be thankful for. Selfishness. So however, the Apostle Paul encourages us to give thanks for nothing. That's what I said, thanks for nothing. In fact, he offers us an example of his own thanksgiving for nothing at all. Not one physical, material, or tangible thing. In, in, in Ephesians 1.15, it says there, that I've never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I'm asking God. Uh, I want him to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding that you might grow in his knowledge. And he begins to say, this is what I want for you. And I thank God for you. In 18, he goes, I pray that your heart will be flooded with the light so you can understand the wonderful future he has promised. And I, 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 I read that and I, I can only wish I could jump into your conscience and, and tell you, look, hang in there, man. Yes. God, he has a future, a plan. Yes. And I pray that you open up your eyes and see the light of his understanding to understand God has good things for us. Yes. God has good things for you. Yes. So he's not necessarily thanking God for, for, the, for, for the ministry he has. He's, he's thanking God for nothing. Just for, for a, a, a thought, a prayer, a belief, a faith. So Paul gives constant thanks for things which are not things. That's my point. Hmm. So there's five things worth thanking God for that we find in the scripture. The first one is faith in the Lord Jesus. 
So we can all receive an issue of faith. But there are a lot of people that for some reason, unbeknownst to us, they don't get it. You ever run into people? They're like, why, why, do I, I, why am I getting it? And my brother's not getting it, or my uncle's not getting it, my cousin, my friend across the street, how come they're not getting it? And some people just don't get it. Like I've always said, you know, hell is enlarging itself, not because the, the devil is sending anybody to hell, because the devil doesn't send anyone to hell. People that go to hell volunteer. So they, they constantly reject the gospel, constantly reject Jesus, but for some reason, we accepted Christ, amen? I don't think, oh, because you're special, for you, you should thank God that for some reason, you accepted Jesus as your savior. I'm thankful, because I know too many who have not, right? Enoch, the Bible talks about Enoch, in he, uh, Hebrews 11:5, talking about the faith in Jesus. And it says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now think of it. He, he says, we're talking about faith. Enoch was a man who pleased God, and he pleased God in such a way that he was taken away. And when you look at that, like, well, that's heavy. But see, that's exactly what God's going to do with us. Exactly. The Bible says that we, death no longer has a sting. We, we will not experience that death, although our fleshly body may end, but we live forever. Yeah. And he says that Enoch pleased God. How did he please God? He said, because he had walked with him. By faith. And then verse 6 is very important. Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the reason why some will believe, or rather, the reason why some do believe and others don't, is because they lack that ability that, to believe that he exists. And not that he exists, but that he actually rewards you. Because no. most people want the rewards up front. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'll do it up front. God don't work that way. He goes, no, 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 no. You, you, you believe me? Yeah. Well, then do this. Well, what I get? You got nothing coming right now. Right. They're, they're, by, by faith, you're going to get something. But right now, just do it. Yeah. That's contrary, right? Yeah. That's like, you know, working for free for a year. Believe in that. In the end of the year, you can get paid. How, how am I going to do that? That's hardcore faith, huh? Faith. Unfortunately, and too often, many refuse faith for a sense of religion. You know, they don't want to walk by faith. They, they, they want to be right. They want to make the heaven. So they, they, they alter faith and make it a religion. Come and pay their respects. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hamana, hamana, hamana. And that doesn't cut it. That's not what God wants. No, God wants people who walk by faith. Or worse, they turn religion. Or worse, their definition of faith is distorted. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you go to the beginning of that, that scripture, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's faith. Because some people say, well, I, I'm part of the faith. What faith? I'm part of this faith. That faith. Wait a minute. That's a name. That's not what faith is. And they've distorted what faith is. Faith is believing that God is going to raise you up. Faith is believing that no matter what you did, if you repent, God can turn it around. Right? It's a something things hope for. 
He's not seen. It's not a church house. It's not a, it's not a, a robe or a collar or being baptized dunking water. No, it's something that God spoke to you and said, I believe that if I follow Christ, God can turn around my mess and straighten me out. He can bless me. That's faith. So I thank God that he's given me that type of faith. Huh? Because believe me, I needed to be turned around. Hello, someone. I needed to be straightened out. Huh? See, one lives by faith with Jesus. Uh, that, that should be our goal. Our, our, our lives by faith with Jesus, walking with him every day should be, that's everything that I want. Now, this other stuff that happens, I'll take it. But that's not what I'm going for. But that's not a, that is not how people work. They, they include Jesus in their lifestyle. They got their thing to do. They got that thing to do. They're doing this thing. Oh, and by the way, I got Jesus. You got it backwards, my friend. That's not faith. That is the pure definition of religion. No, one who walks by faith says, I got Jesus and I don't care about anything else. And whatever he gives me, I'll take. Well, all right. Come on. Faith. I'm thankful I have faith. Amen. See, if we don't walk with Jesus, okay? He died so that you can drive a nice car. Oh, I'm dying because, you know, you need a nice car. That's not why he died. Are you kidding me? He died because he wanted people to walk with him. He wanted people to talk with him. Huh? And he wanted him to trust him, knowing that if I did that, everything else would be added unto me. That's right. That's right. That's a walk of faith. Huh? So many say they want to be like Christ. Hope for. I hope we do. So I am certain, by faith, that we will accomplish the task set before us. Yes. Why? Because I have faith for it. Now my job is to, to enthuse you enough, enthuse, mean God in you, to enthuse you enough to believe that God can do something with us. Yeah. With us. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. I'm believing. Look to your neighbor. Look to your left. Look to your right. I'm believing you're going to reach the world. Okay, now you can take a double take because it's kind of hard, hard to imagine. But I believe, I believe by faith that you're going to take the world for Jesus. The second thing I'm thankful for is the love towards the saints. The hardest and easiest thing to do is to love the saints. Right? But we have to love each other. And as a pastor, I know there are some of you that you guys fight. You fight like, you know, more than the half dozen the McCoys. And you, and, you, and you think you're right with God. Can't work that way. Oh, but it's his fault, Pastor. I don't care whose fault. They never talked about fault or right or wrong. They talked about love towards the saints. Hmm? It's the hardest thing to easy thing to do, right? It's hard, man. You look at your saint next to you. You go, man, I don't know if I can, I can love you, dude. Because uh, you know how it is. You know, some, some people, you know, I've heard people, you know, and I understand, you know, brother fall over. You go, I, I ain't giving that guy mouth to mouth. He's going to die. You know, got love him, man. Uh, no, we don't know CPR. Man. No, but it's hard. Why? I, you know, and I, I, I think about that. You know why it's hard? Because we expect more out of each other than people in the world. Don't we? 
Because, you know, we talk all the talk. Jesus is this, Jesus is that. Oh, I love the Lord. And, and we say hallelujah. We come up to the altar and we raise our hand and we act all holy. Then you walk in the door, you act like the devil. So then we expect more. And so we go, man, what's wrong with that person? What's wrong? Why are they acting like that? Because it lets you down. Well, despite that, even if they do let you down, guess what? You still have to love them. You still have to love them. That's the, that's the hard part. It's easy. The easy side is because we have the same intentions. Because we know that the only reason we're here is because we want to get to know the Lord. The only reason we're here is God has done something. The Holy Spirit came and moved me to show up. So it's hard and it's easy. Right. Paul had that same understanding and he had a trouble in the beginning but when God sent him around sent him down to Arabia for 14 years to get the flesh and him out of him when he came back he began to understand something then, he, then you can see throughout the gospel or rather throughout his epistles that he wrote how grateful and how much he loved the people and to fill in Philemon verse five, 4 it says I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So Paul recognized these people love each other and that's what got his attention. In Colossians 1, 3 through and 4 it reads, we always give thanks the Father of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith. Remember he talked about the faith but then he says there again and the love you have for all the saints. So listen, I am grateful, thankful for somehow God has done a work in my life that I'm able to continually love people. Amen. Amen. It's not that easy. Especially guys in the home, ladies in the home. I had guys in the home rip me off. Right, man? Don't be ripping me off. I don't want to, you know, spiritually shank you. I've had guys, I've had guys steal my van, rob my sound equipment, huh? Take the offering. They snatch a computer out of the office. These are these, and these are people we're helping. And for a minute, you know, for a moment, you know, all the Dakota wants to come out on me. The neighborhood, I, I just hits me like for one minute, you know. But then I go, no, then I got to go, no, it's all right. It's only things. It's only things. And then the audacity, this happened a number of times. They come knocking on my door. I go, there he is. That's the guy that took my van. And they go, Pastor, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Should I stab him? Should I punch him? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm just kidding. I'm thinking, I'm looking, I go, wow. And then he asked me the question, can I come back in the home? I go, yeah, you can. Go, go get your stuff, go in the home. Take a shower, dude. Um, go get something to eat, and we'll talk later. And I've done that dozens of times. Right? And I, and, and I thank God that he's given me that grace to do that. Because to be honest, you know, I'm like anybody else. In my mind, my first reaction is, dude, what are you doing here? Right? But my, 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 the, the spirit says, be quiet. You know why he's here. He, you know, he, he didn't, he, this is a trip. He didn't rob you because he hated you. He robbed you because he thought he needed to survive. 
I said, okay, don't take it personal. If it was personal, he would have came back, right? So come on, let's, let's do this again. But then I get him in, but hey, don't let me off again, okay? He was home, Pastor, okay. Get in the home. Uh, third thing I'm thankful for is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1, 6, 1, 16, the opening of the scripture, it reads, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. See, Paul also gives thanks for that spirit, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, or some translation, revelation. In other words, we all have to have the ability to not only read the Word of God, but to truly understand what it means. And when I say understand, not an academic understanding like, oh, I, got, I understand the Greek, the Hebrew, and the jalapeno. No, it has nothing to do with that. An understand, a spiritual understanding where the words actually penetrate the mind, but get into the soul. And they mean enough to transform your life. Because a lot of people know Bible. I've had people come in, know all this Bible, Scripture, but they don't change. See, th that person lacks a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Because you can read and read and read, but never change. It means you don't understand what God is telling you. I thank God for, the, for whatever reason. He gave me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not only am I able to read it, I'm able to understand it. And beyond that, I'm able to apply it. Hmm? To the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I desire for you. That should come out of your expanding relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I, I, bit by bit, step by step, you go back to the beginning when I went here, right? When you guys sang, at my worst, you found me. I remember when I, when the day I walked in and I, then I, I learned that song. I think it was 1986, I got saved in 85, 86. I picked up that song, I go, whoa. Because that, I didn't understand it. Because those questions, how? How in the world could you, you love me? How, why in the world did you save me? And I say that because while I was being saved out of the out of that violence and, and drugs and all that, a lot of my friends were dying. Odin, prison. How many of our friends, Larry? We grew up dead, OD'd, gone. And for some reason, somehow, we, we climbed out of the, that, the muck. And I, would, I go, why? Why did you do that to me? And then, Lord, now that you ask, he began to show me. Let me show you what I have for you. Let me show you the plan. You think God is just saving you just to save you? No. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Uh, that's why we're here. We're not here just to come to church. If we were here just to come to church, let's close the door and just go to another church. Right? Because that's boring if we just come. We're here to come to church, get equipped, and to fulfill a plan. What is the plan that you have for our ministry? What are we going to do? And so I begin to see... I begin, okay, if you did that for me, God, I, 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 you got to tell me what's up, man. What do you want me to do? And then that, 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 that's why I begin to go back to school to learn more about the Bible, go back to school to get more educated. Not because I wanted to be educated and have some paper on my wall. I could care less. If I wanted paper on my wall, I go get a piece of toilet paper and just roll up there. I don't care about that stuff. Huh? No, but I knew that if, if I learned things, it would make me better so that we could do more. Yeah. The whole purpose. Yeah. 
Hmm? So here we are. So I have that wisdom and revelation. Right? See, this spirit of wisdom and revelation opens up our eyes to what God is planning for us. It helps us to see that there's nothing richer or more valuable in our life than having a purpose with God. Nothing. Go ahead and get all you want. Get all the gold and the silver, right? You want store it up. And when you die, just put me in your will because you can't take it with you. And I will burn every penny for Jesus. I will, I will make flyers, commercials. We will win souls till the wheels fall off. Because that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. Huh? When other pe people want things. Things. Who cares about things? Right? So the, the spirit of wisdom or revelation allows you to finally grasp God's glorious inheritance. Can we say it over and over? What is inheritance? A heavenly inheritance. Huh? That inheritance, Jesus being the firstborn, where where is the after, after Jesus, right? The inheritance that He's given to us, right? That, that, that is more valuable than stocks. That inheritance is more valuable than bonds, a savings account, or any kind of real estate you possess. That inheritance. Because with that inheritance, there's no limit to you. Because if you're tied to real estate, you ain't going to want to leave your property. But you want to keep an eye on it. If you're tied to a savings account, you ain't, you're going to be tight. Well, you're going to be like, um, what's the guy in the, the, the drama? Beto Cratchit? Not Beto Cratchit. Della Scrooge. You're going to be like Della Scrooge. All we want money. Uh, if you're tied to stocks and bonds, you'll be, in, you're, you'll be just that. You'll be in stocks and bonds. Bound by the world. No. See, in Deuteronomy, it talks about Joshua, the son of Nun. It says he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses laid his hands on him. The spirit of wisdom. So I pray, and, I, and as I'm talking about this, I, my prayer is that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So when you have that spirit of wisdom and understanding, you, it, it makes my preaching easier. You know why? Because I ain't got to explain it. Because you get it. You go, boom, I got it. I know where you're at. I got it. But if, if you don't have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, I got to explain it. You make it hard on me. Fourth thing. The riches of God's glorious inheritance. Colossians 1.27 reads like this. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glorious riches. Think about that. What is that? What is glorious riches? When Paul was talking to the Ephesian church, he, he, he talked about it. And he goes, I want you to be made strong by the glorious riches. That, that glorious riches, which is the power in you by his spirit. Glorious riches. So it's clear that glorious riches give you power. Now, think about that. Because not a lot of some people just they just want to come to church, right? And that's all they want. And so when I'm talking, when I'm talking right now, a lot of people say, "Hey, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I didn't come to church for power. I just came to church, you know, to be blessed." No, no, no. See, God intended you to come to church to have wisdom and understanding. Why? Because He wanted to, and He still wants to empower you. Yes. Yes. Most Christians don't walk around with power. They have no power. We're a powerless uh, uh, generation of Christians in the United States. Powerless. 
Where, where I go to all parts of the world, people are moving in the gifts, and God is moving in power, healing. But in the United States, they don't, it, he doesn't move quite readily, not because he can't, it's because people don't, are not ready for him or don't want him. Why? I mean, check this out. In the Philippines, the people are open to God because their, their biggest struggle is just to survive. They make, what, $10 a day, they're the employee. So, and, and that's it. So they're thinking about that. They're, they're, they're thinking about it. Americans, you know, they're thinking about survival. You know what we're thinking about? My darn toaster broke. Or, oh man, I got a flat. Or, you know, I need a, I need a new, I need a new whatever. So our minds are set on the material, right? And their minds are set on God, because they say, God, I need you. I need you to, I need to, I need to survive today. God, can you help me feed my kids? God, can, and so they're always in that, that mode of, God, I need you, I need you. We're not, we don't need God. We only need God on Sunday. Because Monday through Friday, we got this, God. So God said, well, if you got that, then you got that. What you, then go ahead, handle your business. So God walks away. Scientists, researchers have indicated that the power of the Holy Spirit has left, it left Europe 50 years ago. The power of the Holy Spirit has left the United States and now the power of the Holy Spirit resides in three places. Africa, South America, and Asia. Because the American church have settled just for coming to church. So I want to break that. We need revival. I want people that are empowered. I want people that, are, that say, you know, I want the power. So when I came in, I said, I want the power. I read it. It says, He's power. what power? I want some power. And that, that was my whole, my, when I came back, when I figured that out, I go, that's what I want. But, okay, guy, you said you got power. Basta. I want to know what that power is. That, that's what I want. I don't want all this other stuff. Uh, you know, all this kumbaya. You can take that, take it somewhere else. I want that. So when I read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, check this out. And I'm coming in for landing. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Notice the word working. Working, if you're not, even if you got an F, it, it, working is, is a moving verb. It's not past tense. It's a happening, present tense, working, right? So in other words, you get the power and that's it. No, no. You only get the power if he's working through you. Right? He has to be working. Giving me through the working. Through the working. Right? And then you say, of his power. What do you mean? Well, as, as, you're, as he's working in your life, there should be evidence. In other words, you should change. Like the song says, if you're a liar, you stop lying. If you're a cheater, you stop cheating. Right? It, whatever it is, you stop and, you, and, and he's working in you. And because you're stopping, you're changing, then the power is going to start coming. In proportion to who you are. Not everybody gets the same dose of the Holy Ghost. We all get saved, but there's different levels of walk. And then Paul says this, although I am less than least of all God's people, see, I'm the bottom of the barrel. This grace was given to me. Grace means unmerited favor. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He just gave it. 
This grace, the working of his power, is given to him to preach the Gentiles. This is why we get it. To preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for, for which ages past was hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, you're the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly world. Not just the rulers here and the authorities, but we're talking about this, our church. We are to come to make known the manifold wisdom of who God is and who God's people are. To who? To the devil and his demons. To the power of the prince of the air. Well, see, most Christians don't like to talk about the devil. Don't talk about the devil. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid of the devil. He's a punk. We're called to make known to the, to the, the, the demonic uh, heavenly principalities in this area that, hey, we're, there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, yeah. Mm, power. I'm getting, I'm getting deep right here, huh? You, this is a different Thanksgiving message, I tell you that. Yeah. See, several points to notice about receiving God's power. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for First, the grace is given through the working of his power. Verse 7. The second thing, power is not based on human effort or standing in society. Verse 8, Paul says, I am the least of the least. I am the, I'm the lowest. I am the, you know, I'm the one that when you kick over the barrel, you scrape me off the bottom. That's how low I am. That's why I'm telling you, listen, man, the most powerful people in our ministry come from the men's and women's home. Let me say that again. The most powerful people in our ministry come from the men and women's home. The most 80% of all our leadership don't walk through the church door. Why? Because it's hard to convince church people what I'm talking about. Why? Because I'm messing up their game. Why? Because they came in with the 401k. They came in with the car. They came in with the house. And I'm messing them up right now. But when you deal with somebody, ain't got nothing. And they're just thankful that God saved them. And they're, they're grateful that they know now they have a reason. Now you can start saying, you can do something. And you know what that's happen? Faith begins to ride and they say, I'll do it. I'll do it. And what happened? The rest of the church says, well, good thing they're doing it. Because, man, I have a vacation plan next week. That's what happens. It happens all the time. The church says, well, I ain't doing that, man. I got too much to lose. And I understand that. Because I was the church. We didn't have a home when I came to Victor Arch. Right? Tony, Tony started the home. No, oh, Dennis Torres started the home, then you came after. Right? He was there in the beginning, he knows. But we didn't have it. Six years later, I was already saved. Then they started the home. I said, damn, I missed that one. Right? So what I do, I jumped in. I opened up my home. Boom. We started discipling guys. I'm, I'm going to get me some of this dude because I knew where the power was. I was in the church. I go, oh, you know what? The power's not with these church folk. They're just sitting around playing church. The power's over there. I knew where the power was at. I said, I got to go. I got to go where the power is because I wanted the power. I know where the power is at. So I started sneaking over to the home. Hey, let me get over there. My wife said, where are you going? I'm going. I'm going. I'll be right back. I'm, I said, I'm like a dope fiend. I knew where the drugs were at. You know what I'm talking about? When we were on the street, we knew where the hot, how to get high. Come on, we done. Oh, where do I get high? We were the high. What you talking about? So when I came to church, I said, oh, I know where I'm going. I, I see the juice. So, so I hung over there. I said, I got to get me some of this. So I started moving these guys in. Boom, boom. I had 20 men living in my house. Why? Because God was working in their lives and the power of the Holy Ghost was in there. And because I was there, I was getting a lot of that. I was getting it. 
Because as power, as God's power works through them, the Holy Ghost, I got some of that. Are you with me? See, some people think it's crazy. No, that's why I know why Francisco hand over there, because that's where the power's at. That's where the power's at. That's where the power's at. Hmm? Why is the power there? Because it takes the power of God to change some of you crazy fools. That's why. It takes the power of God to get to have five women in one house not scratching each other all up. So you know the power of God over there now, man. How do you know? Because the women ain't scratching each other. There's the power of God over there. Immeasurable greatness of his power, huh? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. See, God's power, the, the, the third thing, God's power is reserved for those who preach and make plain how his power is managed, directed, and engaged. In other words, this power is not just for everybody. If you want this power, then you got to get in the game. What does that mean? Well, you got to get some of the power, then you got to begin to turn around and say, who can I give this to that I got? Yeah. You may have just got it yesterday, but you got it, now you got to give it to somebody else. Why? Because that's what God requires. Yeah. Not just, you can get the power so you can walk around, ooh, I'm powerful. <laughs> no. no way. You get it, give it. You get it, give it. Immediately, don't wait around. I like a pastor. So we, to, we were at the uh, a rehab um, conference, and Pastor Sonny goes up there, and he goes, he goes, what's wrong with you guys? Are you rebuking everybody? He goes, I was saved seven days and preached at my first re, um, uh, first rally. Seven days. So now we want to work, wait. We wait till they have all the veti. Veti will mess you up. If you don't got the power of the Holy Ghost, if you're not walking by faith, by, or Bible called seminary, it's not a seminary, it's a cemetery. <laughs> they get so full of education, they're dead. No, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. He, seven days, he says, he says he went out there, he goes to the, 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 his neighborhood in, in Brooklyn, he goes, hey, everybody. And he yells, you know, in the apartment, the window there, looks at, it's me, Sonny. And they're all, oh, he's going to rip us off again, right? No. Hey, it's me, Sonny. You know me. And he starts preaching like that. He goes, hey, Jesus Christ saved my life. Jesus Christ changed me. He goes, he said, that's all I knew. He goes, Jesus Christ changed me. And this guy's going to tell you about him. And then Nikki began to preach. Because Nikki had come out of Bible college. Huh? He said they filled the van up with 15 men on the spot. Boom. Came to the Lord. What happened? See, nothing happened with God. But everything happened to man. See, God wants to use that same power. He wants to let it loose amongst us. He wants somebody to say, you know what? I want to do something for God. I want to get out there. I want to begin to use this power. Because unless you, if you don't use it, don't think you'll get it. Doesn't work that way. Lastly, God's grace of the ministry comes through the church. Then to the individual. Hello. Because then you, in the, especially in the United States, yeah, you have all the, 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 the Lone Ranger prophets and apostles of God. I am the apostle of, of the most Holy Ghost, frozen, chosen church of God in Christ. <laughs> Shut up. No, it doesn't work that way. No, it comes through a person under authority, under obedience, huh? who can be learn obedience and authority 
so that God can give them power. To, that way, that power is not subject to your flesh. Well, why? Because I don't care how holy you are today, tomorrow, you might go out and fornicate. Well, can I say it again? Is anybody, they turned the mic off, everybody got real quiet. And because God knows that, and I know that, that power has to be very, very carefully monitored. And the only way that is monitored is through the a church body. It's the only way. Otherwise, you're on your own. Just like me, I have, I'm under authority. Right? Pastor Sonny, I, I, you know, I just told you, I, I just went down there, what, two times, three times in the last couple months. And I didn't go there for, for, you know, for lollipops. I, go, I, I went there to get rebuked. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I came back bloodied. <laughs> but I need that because I'm under authority. All right? And that authority makes sure that my power is managed well. Amen? There's a safety in that. Ah, but then you have these free-willing, you know, guys and gals that be careful with them. Number five. I'm thankful for the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Greatness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This treasure in jars of clay, Paul is talking about himself, calling himself a jar of clay, because that's basically what we are. We're a container. God is a part of we're just a clay. And in this jar of clay, for whatever reason, God chooses if we're available, if we're submitted, if we're doing what he called us, he chooses to put this unsurpassing power into that jar of clay. That's incredible. The final invisible item that Paul wants us to appreciate is this greatness of his power. A power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You need spiritual wisdom and understanding to catch what I just said. So let me repeat it. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If you catch what I'm talking about right now, God wants to put it in you. The same power. Not a, not a modified, not an altered, the same power. This power, the same power that sits Jesus at the right hand of God in heavenly places, that same power He wants to put in us. Now, some people believe that everybody's got it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Not everybody's got it. No, because it, it'll be a waste. It's like putting a, a diamond ring on a pig's nose. That's a waste, huh? Cute looking pig, but that's still a waste. The power, this power has put Jesus in the ultimate place of authority. That power. Jesus far above everything, every ruler, every earthly ruler. His reign will allow, outlast every ruler to come. That power. Are you understanding the type of power I'm talking about? A power that places everything on earth under the soles of our feet. If we understand what I'm talking about, that's the power that God wants to give you. Power. When I go out to preach in other countries, it trips me out. It's like I'm a different person. Things happen differently. Right? Just things go different. Huh? And God does things that blows me away. I go, wow, God, you're a trip. Look what you're doing here. 
And so while I'm preaching, things are happening, and, and you know, to the audience, they look like, ooh, ooh. To me, I'm not going, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, with them. I'm going, ooh, 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 wow, oh, wow, God, what are you doing here? It's tripping me up. Because I know who I am. Just a guy from the neighborhood. Guy from Decoto, California. Huh? A guy who should have died. Somehow lost his mind. Huh? Smoking dope. Taking, taking reds, downers, drugs. By sixth grade. LSD, PCP before my junior high. There's no reason that I should be doing anything. But God chooses. Why? Because when my pastor said, hey, you want to do this? I, said, I, I knew one word with him. Yes. You want to do this? Yes. Can you do this for me? Yes. You want that? Mm-hmm. And I was married, had five kids. Had a full-time job. Can you go here? Yep. Why? Because I was grateful. I know, I know who this dude is. And I know that God knows who this dude is. So I am thankful. Despite me, he chooses to use me. There is nothing more, more gratifying than that. I'm thankful. This other stuff is extra. I'm like, hey, I like my shoes. Who cares? Hmm? That's what I'm thankful for. See, none of these blessings can be seen, touched, purchased, or possessed. Yet they are the greatest gift we could ever receive. So we give thanks. How do we give thanks for the non-tangibles? Huh? How do you give thanks when you're going through a trial for the non-tangibles? During despair, when they want to turn off your electricity. How do you give thanks for that when you ain't got money? I've learned to walk by faith with the lights off. Huh? I've, hey, I've had my lights turned off. I said, God, you got to turn these things on. What's happening here? And oftentimes, God just wants to see how we act. See what you made out of it. Because if you can't handle that, you can't handle his ministry. Hmm? See, this type of thanks, when you're going through trials, anybody go through trials? See, when you're able to give thanks during trials, you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that praise. Huh? See, praise is the recognition that it's all about God and not about me. And we say, it's not about me, right? It's all about you until you, you're going through a trial. But when you're in a trial, you say, I ain't going to let this trial affect me. I'm not. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be grateful. I'm not going to let it affect me. Now you're praising him. That gets God's attention. Huh? Because it is the, the unseen that is eternal. Not what you can see. The unseen. That's where faith comes in. See, what is essential is invisible to the natural eye. The natural eye can't see it. What I'm talking about, the natural eye can't see it. The natural mind can't understand it. What I'm talking about, what I'm saying to be thankful for, only the spiritual man can understand it. If my piano player comes forward. Hmm? So this approach of thanksgiving runs counter to conventional wisdom. Right? It doesn't fall in step with the world. Huh? It's, not, it's not involved in the Black Friday shopper spree. Right? This is Black Friday. 
This Friday begins the Christmas buying binge. Right? This Friday? And everybody's into it. Why? The devil did that so that you would forget why we're thankful. Some people are more concerned and worried about what they're going to buy on Black Friday than giving thanks to God. Huh? Black, the biggest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. They don't call it black because it's black and it's evil. They call it black because, and this is why they call it Black Friday, because all distributors, manufacturers, merchandisers, their books, their accounting books go from the red to the black. So they call it Black Friday. This is the day they get out of debt. It should be called Green Friday. Amen, the color of money. I'm gonna leave you with a story. Last story. Zorba Dukakis, a wealthy art dealer, he found out he was terminally ill. So he calls in his three best friends, a doctor, a priest, and a lawyer. And he gives them each, a very wealthy man, gives them each 500,000 apiece. He tells them, I know I can't take it with me, but I want to try. I want your assurance that you will put this $500,000 in cash into my casket at my funeral and have it buried with me. A month later, Zorba died, and following the funeral, the three friends got together, the priest, the doctor, the Lord, they got together and started talking. The doctor said, I've got to confess, I didn't put the money in the casket. I gave it to the hospital's foundation to build a new children's wing. The priest said, I have to confess also, I didn't put the 500,000 in the casket either. I gave it to the little sisters of the poor to build a new treatment center at the nursing home. The lawyer said, I am disgusted in you people. I can't believe you did that. I just want you to know that he was buried with my personal check of $500,000 in that casket. Stay with me. As we close, ponder the perspective of the Apostle Paul. He doesn't give thanks for jewelry, gold, leather jackets, personal care products, computer games. He doesn't want to focus his gaze on what he can see. Because he knows all these things are temporary. Instead, he only looks at the essential and eternal things that are invisible to the eye. So when he counts his blessing, Paul lists, he lists absolutely nothing you can buy nothing you can own his list consists of faith love spirit of wisdom spirit of revelation god's inheritance god's power so we have the misconception of success success is not a lexus or a house in the broadmoor or a job with a six-figure salary uh -uh. success is being a person who does two things consistently all their life Trust Christ completely and be a person who loves his neighbor constantly. That's success. See, the living out of the vertical and horizontal dimension of life, vertical meaning God, that relationship, horizontal meaning the relationship here, those live, living in those relationships balanced with love for both equally is what, is what makes it all. That's what I'm thankful for. A vertical relationship with Jesus, who puts him first, combined with a horizontal relationship with, with you. You help me in my horizontal relationship. Without you, I have no horizontal relationship. 
That's what I'm thankful for. See, these two relationships are, are key to balancing my life. Not only balancing my life, fulfilling my life. I don't know what else I would be doing that would make me this thankful. There's nothing this side of heaven that can make me feel this grateful. So Jesus rules our life. Let's all stand. Just lift our hands to heaven. So our greatest influence comes through our, our work as disciples of Christ. It is, it, is, it is as followers of Jesus that we experience the divine life and power of God that fills all things. It is as followers of Jesus that we endure incredible hardship and overcome enormous personal obstacles. It is as followers of Jesus that we can share the love and grace and hope and peace and forgiveness of our Lord. It is as followers of Jesus that we can step out into the mission and share the gospel by our words and our deeds. So none of these things are material at all. So it doesn't matter, matter whether we are rich or poor, homeowners or homeless, working or unemployed, we have access to an amazing set of essential, eternal, and unseen treasures. As Christians, we can say to God, thanks for everything. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Let's just worship the Lord. Go ahead. And I've been changed.